0: Hello and welcome to TBC Equipped. We are a ministry of Trinity Baptist Church, designed to help you engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Curtis Winkle, student pastor here. I'm here with Ryan Polk, hey Ryan. Hey, how are you doing? And we are here with our senior pastor, back from England with Tales of Adventure, uh, Ronnie Rogers, hi Ronnie. Hi, good to be here. Glad glad you're here, glad you could join us. Uh, We wanted to just hear, so you've been gone uh, for what, a couple months here? Mm And we just wanted to hear uh, what you've been doing, what you've been seeing, what the Lord's taught you, some of those things. So uh, you want to start with just kind of where you went? Uh,
1: Well, I went, uh, left June the 25th and came back August the 5th. And the trip was to Oxford, England. So I spent six weeks there.
0: All right. So you were at the university. So Oxford, is it a town or is it...
1: Uh, The way it's laid out, Oxford is a city, the city of Oxford. But Oxford University is there. And unlike our universities, the university has 38 colleges and they're spread out throughout the city. So when you're walking the streets of the city, you're passing by these walls with these doors and there's just one college after another, after another. So they're all over the city and each college has its own uh, quad, meaning when you walk through the door, it's, it's in a square, has its own library, funding, uh, curriculum, professors, et cetera. They, but the degrees are granted through Oxford University. So those 38 colleges make up. So you're always around them. Uh, it's not like going to the college campus. Mm-hmm. The city is the campus.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's the biggest, I mean, economic driver in the city and all
1: that. Oh, by far. I mean, if, if it wasn't there, I mean, that's what the city was basically uh, built around, you know, and some of this goes back to 1000 AD wow. and uh, long, long history. And some of these schools go back, you know, probably 1100 or something like that. And, but but I'm there utilizing. So each of the colleges have a library, but the university has a library as well, and it's called the Bodleian. And it has uh, some some buildings, about 15% of the books are accessible. They're shelf're they're on the shelf. The rest of the books are not accessible in that way. So for example, I go to one building, which is the iconic right Rad- Radcliffe camera. It's kind of the round building. It's the most uh, well-known symbol of Oxford. Okay. And then there's another one. Uh, I think it's called the Faculty uh, Theology and Philosophical. But anyway, when you're in those, you, you only have access to a few books there. So you order them up to what they call a reading room. And so they have about, uh, estimates, around 16 million volumes.
2: We're uh... Norman, you know, which is a lot like Oxford. It is exactly is yeah. building a library down here on Acres. So oh, for your that's... next next summer, will you be doing most of your research over there?
1: Yeah, that that seems to be a great uh you know an equal place to go other than Oxford's Bodleian, which is one of the oldest it may be the oldest English speaking library, like that university library in the world. So we're gonna, we'll have the, the newest it's down the street? We'll have the newest, yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah, it looks nice. It looks really nice. <laughs> I, fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go there or Oxford. I'll be a toss up. I'll yeah. make that decision. I think later. they have
0: they have Hardy Boys there.
1: They do. They have some books there.
0: And so is the, is the books? You, you've talked a lot about the library and the books. Is it the main reason you go there? Is it the main driver? Uh, the,
1: the the big thing is, you know, I've been seven times, and so when I started going, I was invited in two thousand four to what was known then as the Oxford Roundtable. I think it's known now as the International Oxford Roundtable Symposium. But it's held in Oxford, and it's, you know, they invite you, and 40 people come, and it's an international thing. So so that was my first trip, but that first trip, uh, what God did with that is I fell in love with the city. And so I went four times to the Oxford Roundtable, but then after the first two times, uh, I, I started staying, because once you're there, and the roundtable only lasts a week, so like in 2010, I think I I stayed 40 days or something like that, so I'd go to the roundtable, and then I'd spend the rest of time studying, so why I go there now is when I'm writing a book at a certain place, I can do research there, so sometimes I just do research, I'm really not putting it in a book or anything, I'm just doing the research for books, and then other times, like the last two times, I've been in the midst of writing the book. So what it provides you is, number one, the resources of the library. And number two is just the uncumbered time to get up every day and focus on that. Because there are certain places in writing a book that you really need the time, like this one. I uh, constructed a manuscript well, it's not something you can do and then come back three weeks later and pick up. I mean, you need to be very intense. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible place to do research in the library, but it's a, an extraordinarily neat place to write. Yeah. It's inspiring yeah. because of the Christian history. People come from all over the world to come to the university, either going to the university proper as a student, or like in the summer, a lot of people were there uh, taking different summer things and from all these different countries. And then, you know, it's just inspiring all the people that have been there and the city itself is called the City of Dreaming Spires. And they have parks and I can take walks along the, the Oxford Canal. So like if you're riding a lot and you get You know, you need to get out. Yeah. Well, I can walk down this canal, or I can go to the meadows at Christ Church, which has an incredible history. So it's just the the ability to do the research and the unencumbered time. I have no responsibility over there except to do that. Yeah. Did you remember to eat? I did eat, and uh, great smoothies over there. uh, They do have uh, smoothies, and they have a lot of. uh, not great cuisine <laughs> that's what i've heard yeah uh, the, the the brits are not known for that yeah. they're known for a lot of things that's yeah. not one of them so there's a lot of italian restaurants mm. in in oxford and so we eat a lot of italian food while we're there
0: okay so what so the main topic you were researching this time am i right that it was prayer it's
1: on prayer okay. yes but it, it's a little different, uh, you know, one of the things they, and I was asked this on my first book back in 2004, and, I, and I've stuck with this, but I was asked, you know, so so why your book? What does your book do? And, and that's a great question, you know, is it doing what everybody else is doing? If it is, and we don't really need it probably. So I've always asked that of myself, you know, does my book, can it contribute even a small amount to this And when you think about prayer, I mean, we have a quazillion of wonderful books on prayer. So why another book on prayer? And I never saw myself writing a book on prayer, uh, anything like that. But what I'm attempting to do is I'm attempting to uh, help us with what I think and what I've heard from pastoring for years heard it in this church by previous churches through questions and i've had these and that is so i have on one hand i have you know whatever you ask i'll give it seek ask seek knock Mm -hmm. and it will be opened Mm -hmm. and you have not because you asked so we have just all these scriptures but on the other side we have uh predestination God's foreknowledge. So God knows uh, tomorrow what's going to happen in this meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, why am I praying about this meeting? Because if if it changed, then God would be wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you have Ephesians 1, God does everything according to his will. You have the phrase, your will be done. So on that side, it's kind of, well. why am I making all my requests? Why am I going to that trouble if I'm going to say your will be done? Mm-hmm. And let's just say I really want your will be done. Sure. Uh, or or he works everything according to the counsel of his own will, so why am I... See, so these create in us, I think, uh, questions and maybe a lack of passionate praying. And then I have these verses of prayer without ceasing, praying always, praying about all things. So, So how does that fit in and how do you even do that? So what I did was, I. some people, somebody asked me, uh, not in our church, but somebody on the internet asked me when they found out I was writing one, they asked, is it a how-to or is it a kind of a devotional of practice? And I said, well, neither, because I'm trying to answer this issue. Mm -hmm. And then again, just think about this. We pray for people who have free will. Well, how does that work? Mm -hmm. And what if somebody prays for us? and it's something we don't want. Right. You see, yeah. and our children, we override that. And then then we might pray, you know, God work in their life. But then sometimes we say, Lord, we just want you to break them. So, so how so I'm trying to answer how those things genuinely mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And what if your child was abducted and so needless say, we're going to start praying. What, what just how does that work? Sure. What what could be going on? And then uh, I'm I'm really convinced that we pray about things that unbeknownst to us have already happened. They're over. So there's an impossibility called a backward causation, meaning you cannot change the past. Uh-huh. So in in our terms, it's don't cry over spilled milk. Right. It's done. Clean it up and move on. But we do this all the time. And so Ryan could be going for a job interview and. He says, hey, pray for me tomorrow at 1, I'm in an interview. Mm-hmm. Well, at 1.30 or one forty, I remember. Mm-hmm. So do you pray? Mm-hmm. Is it too late? But we actually go ahead and pray, and, and we kind of act like it's maybe a magical, you know, hopefully something. Right. So I'm trying to address all that, and I actually think those prayers can have meaning once you comprehend who God is. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to bring all that in together, how— asking and praying, Thy will be done. Uh, actually, when you pray, your will be done. It, if you do it at the beginning, you, and you didn't make your request known. Cause it's his will that we make a request. then when you pray that you could actually be praying, don't do what's on my heart that I didn't ask you. Hmm. It's, it's really weird how we get it. So that's what it's about trying to resolve these difficulties Yeah. And, you know, uh, what I've noticed, too, and I'm guilty of it. I've done it. So these things ask, you know, anything you ask in my name. So the charismatics and the, and the prosperity and so forth have taken that to such an extreme that we spend our time uh, giving a caveat, of, this is not carte blanche. You know, we're, this doesn't mean anything. And, and I've done that because we don't want that to be Uh, used as they do. But but the other side of it is it does mean something. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to show how actually anything really does mean an enormous amount, but it doesn't mean anything in the absolute sense. Mm. So God has established conditionals and a conditional is, you know, if you ask, I'll do. So, we know what some of them are in the scripture. We don't yeah. know what they are in everyday life. And so, there has to be some humility. But at the same time, there could be a lot of things that would be different if we ask. Right. So, yeah, I've heard you say that before. Yeah. Reminds
0: me of uh, Abraham, right? Like yeah. uh, negotiating with God from yeah. 50
1: down to 50. Yeah, know, that's unfaithful. right. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a great example yeah. of that. Yeah.
2: We kind of tend to do that, right? Like someone abuses something. We do. And so, instead of just seeing the error, we want to avoid it so badly that we give up on the good part
1: of it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's one place in uh, with with uh, in Mark when I'm dealing with that, and he says, you know, believe that you have received it, and it will be granted. So the charismatics make it all about faith and faith. They or yeah. the prosperity, they really take that too far. So what I did to introduce that chapter that I'm dealing with yeah. in there is I quoted two commentaries, very good commentaries, godly people. But they did the thing about giving the warning that it doesn't mean anything, see. So they're so afraid of that. Yeah. And then the charismatic, uh, I quote a couple of the prosperity people in charismatics, and they're about anything means you've got God in a box, so to speak. And one guy I quoted to kind of set the stage, he, he gave the caveat, but then he he opened it up that it really does mean some stuff. Now he took it a step, but I'm taking it a step further. So I'm trying to keep us humble uh, because we don't know what what uh, God has made to be conditionals. But right. We do know He's made some. Right. So you can't put God in a box, but you can ask, and if it's a conditional, you can believe, you know, as though you've received it. Huh. So that's the balance.
0: Yeah.
2: So. I think I've heard you say since you've been back that this is going to be, after what you just explained, your your shortest, most accessible book. <laughs> it, is, are we still on that?
1: Is that still where we're headed? Yes. I have, uh, three or f- I have several goals for the book, but one of them is that it's uh, accessible to more people than some would say that some of my books have been. <laughs> right. Nobody in this room. Not, not that I'm giving into that. I'm right, just saying right. uh, that some have said that. So, that would be one thing that it's more readable. And so, I'm trying to be very careful with uh, different things. Uh, for example, I, I'm, I'm not, what I do at the beginning of the book is I say, because I do go into some deep subjects, but they're not deep in the book because I say, if you want to know more about how I arrive at this, you can read Does God Love All or Some? See, so I don't have to go into it again. Right. But when I do, there's one place that I felt like I needed to lay something out on this mm-hmm. uh, because I know what some people will say. Mm-hmm. So I made that an appendix. So the person reading through doesn't care, Trust doesn't have, what I'm saying. Doesn't have to go there. They don't have to go there Yeah. because the, this appendix would get a little bit complicated. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that it would be more readable. I'm trying to keep it 150 pages or less. Right. So that'd be half of what my last book was and, and other books are 200 to 300 pages. So that would be good. And then to uh, uh, try to keep vocabulary uh, down, and I'm going to get some people to help me with that, and then also I'm trying to give a lot of examples. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of it is just expounding different passages of scripture, right. which that's easier for people to follow than some of the uh, you know philosophical, theological things you have to get into sure. in other works. So,
0: so I want to change gears and see if you take up this question. So I've heard you, I think last time you went, you mentioned um, the presence of God, just a sense of it really, really close in Oxford. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could just talk about that and just kind of what that means.
1: Yeah, I, I think other people might have different experiences, you know, but for me, and this is part of what's knitted my heart and life to oxford so i i mean the study and then the solitude you know and then the history of the city which is liked uh, you know worldwide and stuff but for example i you know i've been to ireland or scotland and and i would go back on vacation but i don't have any desire i'm not drawn mm-hmm. and i think anybody's around me would know i have a draw to oxford and so I think God has done things in me there and shown me things. And so I keep a record of some of these. And again, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, hundreds of things. I'm talking about half a dozen things over the years where he's done something like this. And so uh, maybe two or three, I can't recall, I have it written down, have happened in Oxford. Yeah. So that's pretty significant if you talk about over a few decades. But but I remember uh, he showed me something uh, one time over there and uh, just, just out of the clear blue. And then one time, my first experience there was in 2010 that this happened. And I was sitting in the Bodleian Library in the uh, Radcliffe camera, and so I'm studying, and so I just burst out crying, which is kind of an odd thing to happen, you know. And, but what it was, was it was such a poignant moment for me uh, because of my background, you know, uh, you guys know that not reading and not going to school or making grades, you know, and all this stuff. And here I am, like I'm in the third heaven uh, reading and studying. And so it was just this moment of realizing how much God had done in me and changed me yeah. to, to, to enjoy being there when... My life before God would never read a book. Yeah, right. So, so those kinds of things have happened to me. There's been about three, I think.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I I, I want to ask more people that question. Yeah, I, I think about. So, I didn't go to a lot of youth games growing up, but my our youth group right now, there's, there's kids just get really, really attached to Falls Creek, and I, I wonder. I wonder. I, it hadn't made a ton of sense to me, but maybe that's part of it. You know, maybe yeah. God shows something to them there. You know, and and it's a similar thing, right? Where they're focused on God's word, they're reading, they're studying. You know, and and there's not a lot of distractions. They don't out. have
1: all these distractions happening.
0: Yeah, and the Lord gets bigger all of a sudden. Yeah, that's right. Ronnie on. does that a lot. Compare
2: oxford to, to false creek yeah, he, yeah. Sees yeah he, a, he sees a lot of similarities yeah
1: between yeah. the two yeah. Yeah, well, yeah you should come next year and i've i've thought about going yeah. there instead of yeah. oxford. right
0: right uh, yeah you can get a lot of study done. Yeah.
1: save a flight
0: yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. it gets quiet like around two or three a.m that's <laughs> right yeah for yeah. a few hours to at there. least no that's seven. right seven so, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, so. the, well the hotel we stay in over there uh, was built in the 1600s it's called the old parsonage and it was where dissenting clerics hid. Did they have anything like that out at Falls Creek that no, um, I could stay in? There are some, places where some. Curtis and I try to hide. <laughs> there's definitely yeah. some dissenting clerics, <laughs> right. yeah, right. And, and and there's some older places. Maybe not that old, but um, so the church knows that you've
2: written. You know, you've been writing these books now mm-hmm. for what about 15 years? You've been yeah, working. Start, on these?
1: My my first one was published in 2004. I started on it in 1999.
2: Okay, so. If you can, I don't know. It may be different for every book, but like, is there kind of a writing process that you go through? That's kind of a genesis to to finality here of like what it looks like when you are working on a book.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to give you Winston Churchill's uh, summary of a book first, and then I'll tell you how I view mine. This is the way I work at it. Uh, this is the way I think uh, when you're talking, because you're you're dealing with little bitty pieces, you know, I mean just over and over and over, but you still have to have this bigger view, but uh, Churchill said, and I'm paraphrasing but he said, you know, about writing a book he said, when you begin it's your best friend and then he said and then it becomes your mistress and what he's talking about is you're spending all of your free time you're stealing away to right and then he said it becomes your enemy and there you do come to that place where you're you're sick of it. I mean if you work on something the last book was four years and then just before you kill it you're finished. So that's kind of how you, you do go through this emotion but I I've told my son-in-law you know he said you know what what are you doing holistically and I said, well, there's something that I think God wants me to write about, and I have some understanding of it. And the things I write about, I read one time, I heard some uh, uh, authors, really well-known authors, saying that you shouldn't, nobody should write a book till they're fifty. And you know, I used to think that was kind of odd, but I, but I see great wisdom in that. Not so much if it's a, you know a, a book that's not trying to be factual, but when it's trying to be factual. Uh, you you could make a lot of mistakes you regret uh, mm. doing early, mm. but so I so I have this thing that, and I've done these things so I've done them. I've spent time and studying and and it's become more focused. Just like this prayer book, besides you know studying and writing all these years, I started running across things in 2013. Studying for other subjects over in, in the Oxford University Library and. But I kept bringing in these things that had relevance to prayer. But I wasn't writing or studying about prayer. So I just kept chalking them over. Mm-hmm. So eventually, that becomes something God wants me to write on. Yeah. So once I have that and I'm committed to it, I, I look at it like a puzzle and a painting. And so at the beginning, it's like you just dumped this box and, and there's all these pieces. And you can't make heads or tails of it. And there may be some pieces missing that have to be added along the way. So that's where you'd go back and do more research, which clearly happens. But then you're trying to construct a puzzle. So like with a prayer book, I was 17 days trying to get the manuscript laid out. It took me 17 days, and but still it didn't make sense to me. It lacked a lot of coherence and and uh, sequence and so forth so that's the puzzle so you keep going back and finding a piece and putting it and moving this over here and you thought this piece went over here but now you learn that it goes over there so that's the very rough stages that you keep going through and going through and then once i've had other people look at it and it keeps coming back to me i'm still in the puzzle stage and then the next stage is what i call the portrait stage and that's where, uh, generally speaking, all the pieces are there. But you, it still, you know, just lacks some uh, uh, smoothness, and so that's when I start painting. And at first, I'm painting in broad strokes, trying to bring this into this and make things flow together better. And I'm looking at flow and things. And then, as you keep moving along that continuum you get to where you use a smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller brush. And finally, you have this little bitty brush, and you're reading through, and you're just touching, just here and there. So I can tell in my mind how I'm progressing through the book by whether I'm still in the puzzle, Mm -hmm. how broad a brush I'm using. And then kind of at the end, uh, when you are finished and you're going to submit it, you know, it's kind of like the painter who signed it. So that's the way I think about yeah, it. That's a good analogy.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, Ronnie. Uh, so I thought we'd come up with a little quiz, like a trivia quiz for you, since you oh, just good. come back. Yeah, I love games. You should know these. Yeah. Yeah, I love games. I, I love
1: games. probably <laughs> <laughs> um, would tell you that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No sarcasm
1: in your voice <laughs> no, at all. all right, <laughs> no.
0: So this is just. This is just. We'll go through about I don't know ten of these. Oh. Okay. These are words that. Uh, British people use that means something different in America. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to test Not you on how much you picked up. <laughs> right. As you were, because right. you, you socialized a lot while you were there and met a lot of Absolutely, people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so
2: yeah. rumors are that he, he might think he's British anyway. Right. So he yes. might have a natural right. proclivity Just, to these. Right. Anyway.
0: That's right. Right. So are you ready? Uh-huh. So I'm going to give you the British word. You're going to tell me the American word, okay. what, what we would call it. Okay. okay. Makes sense.
1: Okay. Lift. Uh, That is an elevator. Ding. Okay. All right. A boot. That is a trunk, I think. You're doing good so far. A row. I don't know what a row is.
0: It's like a fight or an argument. Mm -hmm. A row. A car park? Uh,
1: Actually, that is what we call a parking lot. And I've actually been in conversations where we were not communicating because I said, where'd you park your car? And he said, car park. And I said... No, I mean, where did you park your car? And she said, car park. And so we went on two or three times before uh-huh. we got that straight.
0: Oh, good. Good, but you did figure it out. We did. Uh, um, jumper. Mm. That's a sweater. Mm. Okay, so um, a biscuit. I don't
1: know what a biscuit is. Did you have
0: a biscuit while you were there?
1: I had I had, uh, sconce. scones. Okay. I don't know that I had a biscuit.
0: Apparently these little things that they have with their tea, they're kind of sweet. Like yeah. That. So we have them cookies, I guess. Mm. Right. Mm. Okay. All right. Chips? Mm. Uh,
1: chips are uh, French fries. Okay. Q? Q is the line right. you're in. So mm. it's not a line, it's a Q. A lorry? I don't know what a lorry is.
0: Guess, right? It's huh. a truck.
1: Mm.
2: The loo? Uh, uh, hold on. Only the Brits. We take something manly
0: like a, cool like a truck and call it a girl's I'm pretty name. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was born in America. Yeah, Man. yeah. yeah. All right. The loo. You know what the loo is, I'm sure. The loo, the loo or loo? Loo. L-O-O. Bathroom. Bathroom.
1: Uh, they normally, I, I mean, they may call it that, but what you hear 100% of the time is the toilet. Toilet. <laughs> 100% of the time. If you go in a store and you say, where's the restroom? They go, hmm? so they call it a toilet. That's all we've ever heard Okay. Toilet. Where's the toilet? Yeah. That sounds yeah. so crass to say, oh, doesn't it? It it does, yeah. you know, and you want to say restroom or bathroom, yeah. but they just say the toilet and that's it. That's, that's yeah. Okay, it's,
0: last one. All right. Ice Lolly.
1: I don't know what an ice lolly it's is. A popsicle. Pops. Yeah.
0: All right. You did okay. I you passing grade. Yeah. Yeah. Passing Barely. Grade, yeah. Sixty five.
1: Barely. Yeah. Well, a lot of that's because I talk a lot when I'm over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, Ryan.
2: Yeah, just as we close out. So, what would you say are? I mean, I know there's probably endless amounts of these, but just like one or two of the the best things that like the best benefits that happen for you personally by going over there.
1: One of the best benefits, uh, and that is because I'm a pastor. So I realized this my first trip in 2004. We stayed in London a few days before we went to Oxford, and my daughter and wife were with me, and they took a nap, and I went to the coffee shop, and I was sitting there in that coffee shop, and it dawned on me that that was the first time since i have been in ministry that I actually didn't feel the burden of the phone calls, the needs, all of this, and I just said, "So Lord, so here I sit, and really, I don't have to think about any of that. And I've not been out from under that in all these years. Mm-hmm. And so that, that, and that happens every time when I get on the plane. Uh, so you know, we could go on vacation and say I don't have that sense. It's when I'm there. So once I get in Oxford, I, I have this sense that I am." not going to get called, not going to have responsibility. And I told, I think, Billy Wolf one time when I came back, this is how pronounced this is, that I, I came back on a Monday after a sabbatical. We have to do that. And I was going home Wednesday night. And uh, you love this as a pastor because I want to know how everybody's doing, yeah. you know, the hurts, the struggles. You know, you want all of that. And I've just spent the last two afternoons making a number of calls, people in our church who are going through hard times and uh, different things. And so I came back on a Monday, and on Wednesday I was driving home, and I I, I said, so, Ward, because all of a sudden all that came back. Mm -hmm. And I said, so this is what I live under all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not bad things. Mm -hmm. It's just the heavy burden of so many people you love and are hurting for various reasons. And, you know, I've been here long enough now that I, I mean, I love the people genuinely. I've walked through things with them. So that's that's the number one. I notice, I still notice it. And so just that, uh, so that's a real practical thing that I think uh, as a pastor that that's really a blessing to me. And then the second thing is, I I, God, when he saved me, and I don't know if these are in order, but when God saved me, he gave me a desire to know him. So that was not innate in me, like studying, reading. None of that was. But this happened. And so every day I, have you know, wake up and, and Ryan knows I come in and I study for several hours. And that's always been my desire is to know him and then out of that to make him known to others. Well... When I'm there, the purity of that, what he did to me, it's like nowhere else. Because I can go there and that's what I can focus on and I've had an opportunity to focus in different areas of knowing him in an in-depth way, answering questions, and doing this the entire time I'm there. So I have no other time that I can do that. See, even if I were home, so like if I took off for writing and research, and I was at home, you know, you still, something's got to happen with the lawn, you got to go here. I don't have any of that. So I walk the canal, I go sit in the park, I go get a cup of coffee, I do that. But even in those times, see, I'm meditating on all this. So those two things are life-changing for me. They're that that significant. I would be a different person I am a different person because of the times that I've gone over there. It's good.
0: All right, Pastor. Well, thanks for sharing all that. We're so glad you're back. Probably probably not quite as glad as your dogs are that you're back, but but we are glad you're <laughs> back and appreciate you sharing your time with us today. Thank you. We'll catch you next me. time on uh, TBC Equip.